Got car trouble. Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, pistoned, clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, and riding with me, my co-host, Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. All of your towing needs, and that's for all of your towing needs. Everything you want to move that requires a tow vehicle, Frontier Towing, 748-1100. Jim Mooney's been my guest on this thing for about the last year. Excellent job as a co-host and a shotgun, as he calls it, a shotgun rider. Keeps me straight. Puts information in. He's out on the road. He knows what he's talking about. He's been there, done that, still doing it, and has a world of experience in these things. So 719-1490. I said the last hour. I talked the first hour. You can talk the second hour. In the event that we put something out and you said, oh, well, I'd like to go ahead and get a – let me see what the podcast is. A podcast is recording of this show that you can go in and pick up. You can pick it up on Sketches, Spotify, and Stitches, as well as ESPN Tucson Podcast. ESPN Tucson, you can go to podcast, and you can pick it up. This is streamed around the world, across the country, so – if you uh, are, your time changes, you can't get up as early, or you're way up and gone at the time the show comes on, you want to hear what the show covered, especially the information that we're giving you on this first hour about the tires, the RVs, uh, and any of the information on the show, go to the podcast. You can pick it up, Sketches, Spotify, Stitches, ESPN Tucson, and you can pick up the podcast so you don't have to miss a show just because the time frame didn't fit into your schedule or you had a doctor's appointment or something else that didn't allow you to hear it, or you heard the show and we recovered so much stuff, you go, oh, oh, oh. And then you say, what? I need to find out more about that. So you can call and go to the podcast and pick all this information up. This show is also brought to you in part by Automotive Service AZ. Automotive Specialist AZ.com. That's Brian Filler, Mr. Brian Fuller, Mr. Test First Don't Guess. 572-1734. Talk to Mitch at the front counter. 572-1734. Or you can still get a hold of Brian at 237-3852. 237-3852. Brian Fuller, Automotive Specialist. Absolutely a superb shop on the west side of Tucson, located at Ina and Meredith. Um, 
at at 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101, if you have to Google it in order to find him. But uh, I call him a West Connection, even though I have nothing to do with his shop other than I know how he runs his shop. Um, and I, he's a firm believer in test first on guess. He's a firm. I mean, you can Google test first on guess, and Brian Fuller, automotive specialist, will show up. And good shop has all the computers for programming, reprogramming. You can go to automotive specialist AZ dot com automotive specialist az dot com and you can take a trip through his website excellent website easy to navigate uh you can schedule online so can't say enough about him he's been around me of a long time about 17 18 years now he's never changed the way he does business he he does as good a job as you can expect an independent repair or a dealership to even do he is right there all right Jim, we've got, what do you want to tackle first? Uh, exhaust systems, uh, for winter trap, for people traveling during the winter, how critical exhaust systems is. Make sure your exhaust is working correctly. Does that sound like a winner? Sure, let's go with that. All right, let's go with the exhaust systems. All right, exhaust systems. First of all, I'm going to tell you what your exhaust system actually does. The exhaust system routes dangerous get exhaust gases from the engine out and away from the car to keep from affecting the occupants. I don't care what kind of car you got, you know, unless it's amphibious and then it probably doesn't leak on the bottom. But we tow cab over campers and we tow fifth wheels and we have exhaust coming out of these pickups uh, or the cars, depending on what size trailer you're hauling and how many people you have in them. The exhaust systems have come a long way. They got away from the regular old pipe, and they went to stainless steel, which is a better system. And But you still have dangerous gases coming out, especially if you're one of the older cars. Uh, you can be dry. I, I know I had this conversation with my uh, brother who's running a race car, and he said, when I get out of that son of a gun, after driving it for a while, I'm lightheaded, I can't hardly walk, and I said, why don't you try running your exhaust pipes out from under your car instead of under your car? He did it, it cured it, okay, just to get it out in the outside stream. Now, I remember here a few years ago, they were talking about a family that was traveling up to the White Mountains. They were in a pickup truck, had a cab over camper on the back of it, and they got up there, well, to everybody's surprise and to, uh, it was a disaster. The people riding the back of the camper were found deceased because of carbon monoxide poisoning. And if you ever watch NASCAR, you'll see that all of them are aerodynamic. That's to keep the air from hanging around the car as much as possible. It, it, it goes through it and it don't invite it inside. The vehicle that they were actually carrying this cab over camper was had two exhaust pipes coming out of the back, like a, which is popular. It's the best looking of, of anything you can get on the car. I changed mine, and I had a 428 sitting in the three-quarter ton Ford. I went down to the exhaust after I seen this thing. I went to the exhaust shop, and I had my pipes pulled out in front of the rear tires. And... 
and it, it blows it out into the airstreams, and it takes it on pass. It don't roll it up behind you and bring it right back into whatever you've got sitting on the bed of your truck. So I'll leave that for right now. And then uh, we've got a caller. Who we got? Uh, looks like we've got Bill on line one. All right. Let's go to Bill. Bill, good morning. Welcome to ESPN Simmons Car Care Show. Good morning. I got a question about towing. So a coworker of mine on his lunch break yesterday was in a pretty bad traffic accident. And no one was hurt. Uh, both cars probably are totaled. Anyhow, the he, he was shook up, and the police were saying, look, if we tow the car, you're going to have this much in impound fees, and you're going to owe this much in towing, and so on and so forth. Um, he ended up calling his insurance agent. His insurance agent said, look, uh, you have towing. We will tow it. So he sat there for an hour. He sat there for two hours. Uh, we went from work and picked him up and brought him back to work. His car still wasn't towed. Finally, at uh, 4.30 yesterday, he called his insurance agent. They called the towing company, and they said, well, it's going to be 8 to 14 hours before we can get to it. Um, is that normal nowadays, that it's a 14-hour wait for a tow truck? All right. I'm going to defer this question to the guy that does that for a living. Jim? Okay. Bill, I apologize for for uh, my industry being late. And, um, so... Um, I'll try, I'll try to, I'll try to explain this as best I possibly can, starting at the beginning. So you're in the collision, the police have, law enforcement in Tucson, Arizona has contracts with, with, uh, towing companies. I don't know if it was TPD or if it was Sheriff's Department or Marana or Oro Valley. It was Tucson. It was Tucson. Tucson Police Department. And so... When when you have a contract like that, you're required to respond in a certain time. It's usually 30 minutes. So he's right. The officer was right. You The contractor, because they're contracted with the city, has the right to tow the car and keep the car until you or your insurance company makes payment. Um, it's part of the rules. Otherwise, nobody would do it. Uh, so what happens is as they tow the car, then you have to go and have your insurance company pick up the car. The the insurance company calling your insurance company is a is a good move, but but here's what happens: um, the insurance company contracts with a what they call a third party provider, and the provider then contracts with towing companies. Um, and not I'm not going to try and blame this all on COVID, but it COVID has actually helped well or hindered the situation, I should say. Um, what happens is, is um, the so the third party provider would contract with a towing company, and the towing company would then respond to their call. So, for example, your car your your car breaks down. You call the eight hundred number for warranty. The guy shows up and tows your car. Well, there's less people to do it now because of of COVID, or because I don't have to go to work anymore. There's less guys to do the work. The work still comes. There's the work hasn't slowed down any. But there's less people to do it, so it takes longer. Coupled by the fact that sometimes insurance companies don't want to pay very much. They want to pay a little amount. So the guy looks at the job and says, well, I can go tow, 
I can go tell Jerry and make $100, or I can go tell Bill and make $25. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that I'd rather make 100 than 20 So what happens is you get what they call false ETAs. It's a a stonewall. I'll accept your job, but I'm going to make it so long and so inconvenient that I'm never going to have to do it. And that's the that's the the crux of it in a in a situation. Hopefully, somebody picked the car up because eventually, what happens if if it doesn't get picked up, then it's gonna somebody's gonna come around and pick it up again. So if you leave it in the parking lot, it's gonna get towed because it's an abandoned parking lot. If it's on the side of the street, normally, like the law enforcement, if if you tell them, and you have the right by all means, if you're on site and you're not injured, and you say, I want somebody to come tow my car away, I'm going to tow it away with a strap. If you can do it in less than 30 minutes, the, the law enforcement's happy. They're like, great, you handled the situation, we didn't have to. But if you're going to make us stand here and wait for two hours for your tow truck to show up, we are not going to do that. We're going to call our guy, and he's going to move so the traffic gets cleared, so that nobody else gets injured. And that's the point of the, of the, of the law enforcement contract. So the eight hours roll was, that's, that's really, really, eight to 14 is an extreme I've never heard that before. I mean, most people, most insurance companies don't take anything over a couple of hours because they don't want to leave them there that long. It, you know, it just it seems that seems. But eight to fourteen, I would have guessed, is just uh, hi. We'll we'll get it when we feel like it. And I, I've never heard anybody quote that long of a time frame. That's well, hours, I, I can I, I can tell you the accident happened around twenty minutes after eleven, and I left work yesterday at a few minutes after five. And they still hadn't picked up the car. Um, they did. The police actually used their bumper and moved it up above a bike lane, sort of into a parking lot. Uh, but it was pretty mangled uh, to get it off the road. So, and, and you're right. Uh, the law enforcement will do that. They, they they're not looking for you to incur any more cost than what's necessary and if you have your own provider they're they're happy with that that just is one less job for them um but um 14 hours i mean i understand it was there from 11 to 5 that's what Mm -hmm. seven hours um already so it's you know you you kind of struggle with that you know what do you do you call back the insurance company say hey nobody came and picked it up you call back the 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 insurance company's provider hey nobody caught my car yet what are you guys doing or call the people direct. You probably know who it was. Call them up direct and say, "Hey, what's what's going on? What what what's the issue?" And or, or yeah. worst case, you call your insurance provider and say, "Look, hey, nobody came and got my car. I'm going to get my car. I'm going to have my car towed, and I'm going to send you the bill, and you're going to reimburse me." And although they're not happy about that, most everybody I've run across, most insurance will do that. You have coverage. We verified it. We couldn't provide the service. You gave us the opportunity to provide the service. We failed. You took care of it. You mitigated the loss. Because what if the car had got into, if somebody had crashed into it? More damage would have occurred. Mm-hmm. And now a simple fender bender would go would turn into a total loss. So they would have said, oh, you should have never waited 18 hours to get the car towed. You should have <laughs> taken care of it yourself. Trust me, they have... Right. They have really good words, and they're really good at their jobs. But um, you send them with a bill and say, hey, here, I paid for the towing. Here's my bill. They, they're not going to argue with you. They're, it's, most everybody will take care of that. You might have to work it a little bit, but most everybody will take care of that. 
So did it finally? Well, I learned. I, I I learned a lesson. I after what he's gone through, you know, uh, I have insurance for a reason. I'll let them. I'll let the insurance company pay the impound yard, uh, you know, and let the police haul it away. Because uh, I think he was intimidated. He's a young guy. I think he was intimidated when the cops told him impound fees, and he was like, "Oh no, no, I can't pay that," and went with his insurance company. We've all learned a lesson here now. <laughs> I mean, having a mangled up car uh, sitting in a bike lane for over eight hours is just not a good thing. So, wow. And, and just so wow. you know, when you have in, when you have insurance, um, so. So say the car gets towed to the to the impound yard, right? It gets towed for it gets towed and stored. They call that a a, a safe keep. We towed it for safekeeping because we don't have anything. We can't do anything else with it. There's no. It's not a criminal investigation. Nobody's arrested. It's just surely an accident. We're hauling it out of the way, and you can store it for safekeeping. So when your insurance company goes to get the car, there's a rule. There's a law. It's an actual Arizona statute that an insurance company can demand the vehicle from the towing company upon submitting payment. So it's not like the towing company can hold it hostage. The insurance company supplies a document. It's a one-page document provided by the state. You send it. To, you take it to the towing company. You give them a check. The guy releases the car. It's gone. So the impound fees, instead of it used to be when I first started this, the game was that towing companies would hold cars for, you know, two, three, four weeks, you know, trying to get more storage out of it. No, it doesn't work anymore. It's a, it, it, you can't do that. And I never believed in that because I was, had enough volume. I wanted the cars to move so I had more space. Um, today, it usually takes about, depending on what you're like, it was a Friday, so it would probably be Tuesday. But that's five days. That's about the maximum time a car will sit in the impound. So it's usually five. The, the going rate is around is around thirty dollars a day. I think the state man, the state rate is thirty two fifty a day. So five times three is one fifty plus the tow. So maybe it was maybe it was two hundred bucks. And it's not two thousand dollars. It's two hundred dollars. So right, I mean, in, right. in reality, you're right. It was. It would have been. It's faster. It's more effective. It works. That's why. Yeah. That's why they invented this forty five years ago. <laughs> Well, thank you for the information and the education. I'll uh, I'll tell them what you said when I go into work Monday morning. <laughs> or, or have them call us. I mean, if, if you need more clarification, I'll be happy to discuss the rules with you. Um, I'm happy to tell anybody how to do this because it's, you know, I mean, the, our goal, at least my goal in, in my industry, just like Jerry's, I want to, I want, I'm your assistant. I'm here to get your car off the road and get you taken care of. I'm not trying, I don't want to hold your car hostage. I just want to get it fixed and go on with life. I have, we have jobs every day, and if we don't, if we don't move through our jobs, we it would be eight hours and fifteen hours, and I I don't I never want I never want to tell somebody I have a problem telling somebody an hour, I have a problem telling somebody that you got to wait an hour that just kills me, but getting through town sometimes just is very problematic and get finding people finding where they're at because sometimes people don't know where they're at but. You know, it's it's funny when the police call. It's like oh, it's the corner of Swan and Speedway. Look for the flashing lights. That's it. The click. Hang up. So yeah. yeah if you need more clarification, feel free to call. Call the shop. Ask for me. I'm Jimmy, and I'll I'll be happy okay. to go over it with you. Thanks for the information. I appreciate it. All right, Bill. Have a great day. All right. Bye. And Frontier Towing's number again is seven four eight eleven hundred. So any of these questions you, that you have on towing, 
Uh, I actually have a good insurance agent uh, that uh, I'm going to contact her and have her back on. She was on a while back, and there's a lot of stuff that we think we know about insurance that we don't really know. And she sure does open that up. And, I mean, she's just like Jim. She's just like I am. She's just like Brian and Mike Parker or Scott or Ryan over at Parker Automotive. We'll tell you. We'll tell you. We're in it to take care of you as close as we can and pass the information on so that you, if you do have a problem like this, at least you'll have some guidance in what you need to do. That's the reason I keep saying put Frontier Towing's number in your dash. So when something happens like this, you can call and get a live body on the other end. And uh, I I have towing insurance. And when I get ready to tow, uh, I'm very particular on who I want to tow it out of the road. You know, they said, well, we've got this. Con- I don't give a crap. You've got a contract. I'm the guy that pays. I'm the guy that pays the premiums. I'm the guy that should have uh, at least authorization to call a tow company and have his darn thing picked up. If you're going to take all day long, wrong. I don't have that kind of time. I'm not going to tolerate it. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry that you don't have any people, even though the whole industry is like that right now. We just, it's hard to get people. But, um, you know, we do, you keep calling, somebody will have an, uh, something available. But um, that's the reason I just called Jim. He's got 32 trucks down there. I'm sure one of them's available eventually, and it won't be all day long to get it there, especially well, in an automobile pro- accident. And, and it's probably me. I've been to pick up Jerry's stuff lots of times. I, I've towed Jerry's stuff. I've towed it into the shop. So, I mean, it could be me out there. Not not to say that yep. um, I don't do a lot of admin work, but uh, you'll see me on jobs too. I'm I'm a working guy. I go out and work jobs. I go when 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 there's complicated uh, situations, I go on site. I you know help my guys through the jobs. Um, they, a lot of them, they most of them know exactly what to do. Sometimes they need a helping hand. You never know. You never know what you're going to get to when you get to one of these sites. So. Um, Oh, absolutely. That's why. That's why. Absolutely. Why, my, that's why I wear boots and steel-toed boots and and uniforms because uh, I have to work just <laughs> like them. Because otherwise, and I, if I didn't, I would. I mean, just like Jerry, if I if I'm not out there on the street, um, there's there's time. You know, I, I get to see what happens, and I get to see how the how the world changes with cars and people and and social media. So I understand, and it allows me to have. First, on first-hand knowledge, so that when we're talking with our with our employees, hey, look, you know, you guys are running across this, yes. So we can just we can evaluate and and uh, um, come up with plans, so that so that we get the job done and everybody gets to go home. So, okay. right. Gotta go home Safety. at night. Yep. Huh? All right. Now. We've got uh, the towing questions. That's a good call, Bill. Appreciate that, man. Uh, now, let's, let's go back to the exhaust systems. I've got just a little bit more I want to cover on that. The typical wear and tear on an exhaust system. Driving habits, short trips, take their toll on exhaust system life. And that means that they haven't been run long enough to keep the water and stuff uh, from rusting up on the internal components and keep it running clean. Road conditions, salty roads, since we are we are streamed nationwide and worldwide, salt roads, sprays, and bumps will affect them. Vehicle type, the older versus the newer. Age of the exhaust system parts. 
uh, on the car, you know, those they do not last forever unless you keep changing parts on them. You can keep changing parts on them. Like I've got a, um, I've got a '68 Mustang. My gosh, the only part I haven't changed on it is the body, and I'm getting ready to go do that to have the the body work done on it to keep it up based on some rust because it was a East Coast car coming around the rear fender wells. So all of these factors come in. The symptoms. If you're lucky, it'll be a loud noise, okay? And the reason I say if you're lucky, it'll be a loud noise, that means that the muffler's blown up. And they do have a little weep hole in the bottom of them. People go in there look and say, oh, it's got little black stuff coming out of the muffler. Well, that's a weep hole, and it's getting rid of the water. That's actually a good thing. Rattling noise when starting, accelerating, or braking. Uh, if you got a catalytic converter and the parts coming apart on the inside, uh, it's substrates. Substrates will rattle. They will go down to the exhaust, and you say, well, a muffler's rattling. Well, it's rattling for a reason. Be sure and check your catalytic converter to make sure that rattle's not coming out of the catalytic converter as well as the exhaust muffler. All right, drowsiness while driving. This is the one. This is the one. Carbon monoxide will go into a car, Okay. If you have a leaky exhaust pipe right under your seat or running down the length of the car, there are so many ways that that it can be forced back up into the car because of the compression from the road and the air going under the car, picking it up, rolling it up through the differential, rolling it up through your uh, undercarriage, and you can get that in, and you think, oh, well, I've just been driving too long. That's the reason you need to stop, get out, and walk around. But have that exhaust system inspected at every oil service, okay? Rotten egg smells. I'm I'm almost positive that everybody who's been driving down a road had passed a car or had a car pass you, and all of a sudden there's a rotten egg smell on it. You go, wow. It doesn't have to be an old car. It can be a new one. It needs to have a catalytic converter to get that rotten egg smell. You get a rotten egg smell. It's time to find out why. You need to find why there's a rotten egg smell coming out of your car, and it's not coming out of Jerry's. It's not coming out of Jim. It's coming out of yours. And when you drive down the road and you're driving by yourself and there's a rotten egg smell, guess what? That belongs to you. And when you are driving in traffic and all of a sudden you pick up a rotten egg smell and then in a couple of seconds it goes away, that means it was somebody else's. So they've got problems they need to address. The cars are tighter than they used to be, but you also have an air intake that brings it to the inside. That's why we have to change our cabin air, cabin air filters. But if you smell a rotten egg smell, that's a giveaway. Uh, rattles, that's another one. Loud noises, that's obvious. Drowsiness while driving is what I want you to pay attention to. If you've been driving, one, you shouldn't drive more than about two and a half hours before you switch drivers. About two hours is, is what's recommended. And then when you get to where you're going, if you have fortune, if you're fortunate enough to have another driver, uh, when you get to where you're going, both of you are going to be not wore out when you get there. But if you become drowsy while you're driving, Assess the situation. Roll the windows down. Get that stuff out of the inside of your cars. Roll the windows down. I don't care if it's 10 degrees outside. Turn the heater wide open. 
roll the windows down and get rid of that stuff, okay? That's just a little safety thing that you need to do to possibly save your life. Uh, your car's exhaust system consists of one or more mufflers, one or more O2 sensors. This is part of the exhaust. One or more catalytic converters, exhaust pipe, tailpipe, and it actually has a header pipe that goes down to the catalytic converter from the engine itself. All of these things need to be inspected when you take it in for an oil service, and don't let anybody cheat on you, okay, because it could possibly be life-threatening, or you'll be driving down the road and your muffler fall off. I've seen them come in the shop where the muffler has absolutely rusted out from an exhaust pipe and fell down and was dragging the road. And I'm sure that Jim has seen that when he's out on these crashes and stuff. But is there anything else we need to cover on the exhaust system, Jim? Uh, other than watch your for your catalytic converters get stolen. I've seen them dragging for catalytic converters getting stolen. But uh, <laughs> the yeah, uh, uh, you got it pretty good there, Jerry. The um, the exhaust, uh, um, you know. Like you said, you get holes in the in the in the pipes and stuff. If if you feel if you're driving your car, and I'll call both today's cars are pretty well insulated. Um, if if you feel like a lot excessive heat on the floor, it could be a hole in the in the pipe. Um, they um, come like Jerry said, converters fall apart. Plug up plug up exhaust systems. Your car isn't your car isn't going to run. And on top of Getting the exhaust out of the engine, it actually, the exhaust system actually helps the engine run because it actually creates a almost like a, a vacuum venturi that helps pull the the air out. So a good a proper exhaust system, you know, a good high good performance one actually pulls the exhaust out of the engine, helping get new fresh air in. So when it's working right, it, it, the exhaust goes out at a much better rate, therefore not not hanging around your car. If you got holes in it, it doesn't work so well. Right. I think that's right. Right. You're correct. You're right on the money. Right on the money. And uh, a good, clean exhaust system. Just remember, people put uh, performance chips in cars, and they don't bother to even upgrade their uh, exhaust system. And if they're going to run a performance chip, you need to take a look at your exhaust system to make sure that the exhaust system is adequate to evacuate the engine. What goes in an engine... Gas and air goes in an engine. What goes in the engine has got to be able to get out of the back end. It's got to be able to evacuate. Or your performance is not going to be what they claimed it'll be. Oh, you'll get, you'll get 40 horsepower and 60 foot pounds of torque. You've got a plugged exhaust pipe. Bull. It's not going to happen. Now, I've seen this over the years. I've done vehicles. We actually put an exhaust system on where a guy thought that he needed, uh, Everything else, we put an exhaust system on it and cleaned it up and give him extra additional power, full. You can put a set of headers on a car and pick up 12 horsepower. If you open the exhaust so it can breathe, your throttle response is better. If you drive it like a uh, like you're supposed to, your fuel economy will be better. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. I've had people argue with me. said, well, if you got a plugged-up catalytic converter, it won't affect the heating of the engine. That's not true. You've got a plugged-up catalytic converter. That means the exhaust and the heat going out of that engine cannot get out, and it holds it. It actually backs it up. 
And therefore, you've got a little engine problem because you're still putting gas in the engine. The engine's saying, oh, we got to get rid of this. There's no way to get rid of it. That's the reason you have your exhaust system checked on a regular basis. I know it's out of sight, out of mind. That's a reason that you need a professional to go ahead and check it when you have your oil service done. Oil change, you go in, you drop the oil, you change the filter, um, uh, you put a new oil in it, slap it on its bumper, and send it on its way. Oil service done at Simmons, Parker Automotive, or Brian Fuller's place at Automotive Specialist. We check this thing. I don't want you breaking down on the side of the road. I will give you a list. You can do with that list anything you want to. Some of the stuff you can do yourself. Some of the stuff you don't want to do yourself. Some of the stuff you didn't even know it needed to be done. That's why the check sheet and the checkout during a full automotive service is so critical. Then you know what you do with it is up to you, but you will know it. And we can even highlight the ones that's going to get your bill full really quick if you don't take care of it. We don't get mad at you because most of the time we're so busy when that thing comes through, if you add stuff to it, uh, it it takes a little bit longer to get to finish it, and then it kind of backs up schedule a little bit. So we want to help you prioritize what we found on your vehicle, okay? If And the other little thing with that checkout, when somebody says you have oil seepage, means that you've got oil that's pushing out of a seal or you've got, uh, that's normally what the case is. And you say, well, how bad is it? It's an oil leak. There's oil seepage, and oil seepage is an oil leak. If it wasn't leaking, you wouldn't have the seepage. When Can we predict how long it's going to last? Nope. Can we keep an eye on it for you until your next oil change? Yeah. Do you need to keep an eye on it and look under your car every now and then to see if you got oil on the concrete or asphalt or in your garage or wherever you park it? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's up to you. If you run a car out of oil knowingly, I mean, if you run a car out of oil and your uh, oil burner like Jim had on one of his vehicles recently, you need to check that oil on a regular basis. You know, if you've got to check it in 30 days, you pull a stick on it and check it in 30 days. Uh, that'll give you an idea how much oil you're, you're using. Um, and the cars now have a little uh, check valve that all of a sudden the engine just quit running. Was it you that had the car that was two quarts low, Jim? Yes, sir. So yeah. I, I, what the car, I what had my, my little vehicle. It, it's a it's a little Jeep. Um my my ride around town car because I have to drive big trucks every day. Sometimes it's nice to get in a in a smaller vehicle so I don't have to worry about you know taking eighty friggin' miles Absolutely. to turn the corner. But uh, yeah, I, I was driving it, and uh, you know, I I I'm like Jerry. I I keep a track of my stuff, and I was looking at the mileage, and I looked at the little, you know, I looked at the little oil monitor, and it said it still had like thirty percent left. And it just stalled on me one day. The car just died. I was and I and it pulled off the side of the road. I'm like, great, you know, this is what I need to have this morning. And I, you know, I I stop. I sit there. Turn the key off. Turn the key back on. It fires right up. And I'm thinking, well, that's strange. So I I so I did you know I did what everybody does today. Got online, Googled it, you know, or um, and and the 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 comment was you know Jeep Cherokee shutting off. 
and it was there wasn't really any good answers, but there was one. There was one comment that said the dealer said bring it in for an immediate oil change. And then I thought about what Jerry had said. Oh, make sure, make sure that you check your oil. Make sure that you know you're not consuming oil because a quart per a thousand miles. A quart per thousand miles to me seems a lot, but he's telling me that's the number. So okay. So you put two quarts of oil in it, fired up, and you drove it, right? I, I put, I put, I opened the hood. I apologize. I opened the hood, and I checked the oil, and there it was. It was gone. And what? So what the what the solution was is that the car was running out of oil, you know, and then it's the low pressure shut off, which turned the car off. Put two quarts in. Right. Voila, fine. Done. Yep. And now it you didn't know. Occur to me. And now I know. It didn't even occur to me that 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 would be that it would consume that much oil in uh, in in such a short time frame. I hadn't before. The the vehicle has been operating properly. It's got seventy five thousand miles on it. I wasn't thinking that it was going to do this. Well, now I know. Okay, right. it taught me. It it's right. a good teacher. It it taught me. I I'm I'm good to go now. So. Unfortunately, well, the you know, I'm going to buy synthet- more synthetic oil every day. <laughs> right. Uh, the rule of thumb on those cars, anything they factory, some of the manufacturers have a uh, court within 750 miles is good. And you look at it and go, why? It didn't used to do that. 55 Chevrolet changed it to 3,000 miles, and it wasn't down an ounce. And but you look at the engine construction now. The engines are tighter, or I'm sorry, the engines are much looser now because of the EPA. You got a cafe rig. These things you've got to make it. You need to cut down all your rolling resistance, so they make the engines looser. They're looser inside the cylinders where the rings are. They're looser on the bearings. Uh, except they uh, they 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 claim the engines are looser, but I know that the bearings uh, were reset. And they're actually tighter. That's the reason that most people are going to the synthetic now, because the synthetic will still penetrate and flow into these parts. However, the engine being made looser gets better fuel economy, and that's the reason they did it. However, the downside to that is they can also use oil, which is good. They're using it. Uh, At least you know where it's going. It's going probably out the exhaust pipe. But... Your fuel economy is better, even though you're going to have to put more oil in it. So it's like a double-edged sword. So that was the explanation that I found. And it it made sense. You know, it made sense. You know, uh, race car motors, uh, they build them loose because of uh, revolutions. And uh, it's less rolling resistance as far as the engine itself. And you make more power. Uh, you don't have to use the power, but race cars, you do use the power. But they also change their oil after every race. <laughs> so they run about, you know, up to 20 miles, 30 miles, and then they change the oil. You talk to a guy in a, in a drag racing, you know, these professionals, the, the hot rods, and they'll change their oil after every run. They'll change their oil after every show. So there's different intervals, but you... That's your baby. You need to pay attention to your oil. If you don't know how to change your oil or check your oil, 
you can roll into any one of the three places. You can roll into Parker. You can roll into Automotive Specialists. You can roll into Simmons. And one by somebody will go out, show you exactly where the oil stick is, show you where the guidelines are on it, tells you how much you got in there. And now you know. And then when this thing gets about a quart low, it's time to put some oil in it. And uh, try not to overfill it. You can overfill one, and what it does is too much oil. It builds up pressure in the crankcase, and it it's potentially can start a leak. I knew a guy that drove a Dodge Diesel, a, 19, uh, a 2004 Dodge Diesel, and he used to put one quart over, and he never had any problem at all. But he also didn't have but about 30,000 miles on it. And so I do not recommend putting more oil in it unless you've got a deeper oil pan and you just want more volume to go in. And once you have more volume to go in, when it gets back to the oil pan, it has a chance to cool down. That's why most of your diesels have a 7,000-mile oil change increment because they're carrying anywhere from 11 to 14 quarts of oil in there, which gives the oil a chance to go down, cool off a little bit before it's ever sent back in, which makes it last longer. But the name of the game is to learn how to check your oil and don't assume because you have a brand-new vehicle because, believe it or not, this oil consumption has come back to brand-new vehicles. Used to, if you're burning oil, say, oh, my engine's wore out. Well, that's not the case anymore. That's not the case. So heads up. All right. Uh, 719-1490, 719-1490 for any of your uh, questions you may have. Um if you're looking for a, uh, a pre-owned vehicle, LensAutoBrokerage.com. Go to LensAutoBrokerage.com. You can visit their website. You can see their inventory online. And if you're looking for an RV, especially a toy hauler, call, uh, go ahead and Google or check DesertRV.com. I was looking in there, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't know there were so many different toy haulers and how beautiful they are. Thing is, is the only toy I'm playing with right now would be my Mustang. I don't really know where I want to take it to run it off-road. But <laughs> DesertRV.com's got some of the best-looking toy holders. They're brand new. Uh, they Plus, they have used stuff also. But uh, what I was concerned about when I looked, I wanted to see what their inventory was, what it looked like, and very impressed. DesertRV.com. That's also a division of uh, Lens Auto Brokers. And as far as... Uh, uh, Merle's Automotive, Merle's Automotive, uh, that's for your parts, that's for your engine supply, uh, whatever you need for your additives, uh, they even have tools, uh, they have just about everything you want, plus they have 10 locations in Tucson, then they got them scattered out all over the state in case you're running out of town and you say, oh my gosh, I broke down, what do I do? Uh, they've got them in Sierra Vista, they got a Merle's Auto in Sierra Vista, they got Marinci, they got Globe, Casa Grande, Green Valley, and they make daily runs, sometimes twice a day, from the big Tucson warehouse on South Dodge Boulevard. Merrill's is a real deal when you're looking for quality parts at competitive price. Foreign, domestic, and 18-wheeler. Merrill's Automotive, go to merrillsauto.com and find the store nearest you. Even when you're out traveling, you can Google merrillsauto.com and see where their locations are. Um, Parker Automotive. Parker Automotive. Oh, my gosh, Parker Automotive. Love that place. Parker Automotive Service Center, 323-1960. You can speak to Scott 
or you can speak to Ryan. They're located 5101 East Speedway. Uh, it's an ASE technical shop. It means everybody's certified that works in there. Uh, they have a pickup and delivery service. They have a shuttle service and the state-of-the-art alignment equipment. They open Monday through Thursday, 7.30 to 5.30. And then Friday, it's 7.30 to 5. So they can get a 30-minute extra on a weekend. Monday through Thursday, 7.30 to 5.30. Friday, 7.30 to 5. And just they do a super job out there. And then Shane uh, Parker is their shop foreman. Excellent technician, excellent technician. The SE certified, runs a tight shop, does good quality work. All right, we've got, uh, looks like we have about, oh, Merle's also has uh, a machine shop open on Saturday that'll do rotors, turn rotors, drums, and flywheels. And that number is 572-1734. They're at 15 West Ajo, 15 West Ajo Way. The phone number is 572-1734. And now I am good to go. All right. We're back. We're back on uh, uh, real quick. I got a few minutes left. Fuel service, fuel systems, okay? the What it does... The fuel system transfers fuel from the fuel tank and passes it through a fuel filter for straining before it arrives at the injectors. A pressure regulator controls fuel pressure to ensure good engine performance under a variety of speeds and load conditions. Fuel injectors, when activated, spray a metered amount of fuel into the engine. Some vehicles use a return line to Return unused fuel back to the tank. Some of it have a direct line. Anything's not used goes, uh, well, it, that is the return. Some of them now have the fuel held in the lines, and it only uses what it needs. So they've got all the regulators and stuff for that. Typical wear and tear on a fuel system. In uh, Intervals for fuel system maintenance may be influenced by, one, fuel quality. You know, most few manufacturers are now saying go to top tier fuels. You can go, you can Google top tier fuels, uh, places you can buy top tier fuels and you can get it off of Google. Fuel quality is critical. Vehicle age, believe it or not, is critical. If you have a vehicle at, uh, you say, oh, I'm going to run premium fuel in it because it's a, it's an older vehicle. It doesn't do anything but waste your money. Uh, you've got to have the compression. You need a higher compression engine to run premium fuel. If you've got a lot of your late model stuff, like I know that Lexus has, you know, and a bunch of others, and it says run top-tier fuels, that normally means they've got a higher compression ratio, and they can burn all the fuel that goes through and manage it. Mileage and time. Mileage and time. Uh, mileage is critical because the more miles you get, the engine starts to wear out a little bit. Uh, you still got to have fuel. You got to have air to make it operate and electric, of course, and exhaust. What goes in has got to get out. But that ties in mileage and time. What mileage does to your vehicle? Where are we at? Operating conditions, uh, drag racing. Trust me, you're not going to get 18 mile per gallon if you're running drag racers. They, they normally get anywhere from, uh, 0.5 to, uh, <laughs> maybe two and a half. Maintenance history. 
Remember, when the fuel goes in, you got to have spark. A spark's normally created by spark plugs. You've got coilovers, coils on top of the spark plugs now. You have a separate coil for your earlier model engines. When a spark plug starts to wear down and wear out, it creates more resistance and it requires more juice to fire them off like they're supposed to. Therefore, it puts more strains on your coilover coils or your regular coils that you have inside your vehicle. And so you want to stay on top of your maintenance on this to maximize. Now, I know a lot of you saying, well, you know, no. Have you looked at the price of fuel lately? Price of fuel for my diesel the other day was 231 okay? Uh, is that right, 231 It seems awful low. No, it's three thirty one. Three thirty one gas gasoline was two uh three nineteen for regular gas. So this is not a joke anymore. Everything you can squeeze out of your fuel economy, like Jim's big trucks and the over the road guys, if you can squeeze a half a mile out of it, trust me, over a year, that's a lot. But if you don't keep an engine tuned up, you're gonna be having to squeeze a lot more than that because it depends on a good running solid uh, secondary ignition system, a good flowing exhaust, uh, oil changes on a regular basis, fuel filters, air filters. They still, just remember, the old number on an aspirated engine was 11 and a half gallons or 11, uh, I'll get it right in a minute, 1471 14, is fuel. Uh, 11,000 gallons of air for a gallon of gasoline. Does that tell you how much, how critical that air filter is? And that's where the, that's the biggest thief of fuel economy, that in your right foot. So your car's fuel system includes pressure regulators, fuel injector, injectors, lines and hoses, fuel filter, fuel tank, and one or more fuel pumps on these cars now to keep it running properly. So if you want to save some fuel and you want to uh, get this thing to stay operating like it's supposed to, stay on top of it. Don't wait until you got a hundred thousand miles on and say, "Wow, this thing's just been sucking in fuel filter for the last fifty thousand miles." I think uh, that means that you probably didn't do anything to help the fuel system out. Uh, you do need to run a fuel additive, especially if you're running an older diesel. You make sure you get an additive for that thing that it has lube, diesel fuel lube in it. If you're running a car, you need to do a fuel additive. Uh, uh, I do it every three tanks. Uh, you can do it uh, if you use a 44K from BG Chemicals. Uh, that's a treatment that should last you about a year to, based on 12,000 miles, not based on 50. And you just have to stay up on it. And that'll give you the best fuel economy. Driving habits and tire pressures and an air filter seem to be the number one. Tire pressures need to be up to what, whatever the door plate says or the cold max on the tires. And people say, well, if I put cold max on the tires, it'll make the inside wear out. No, it won't. No, it'll give you a flat wire. Uh, if you overinflate it, in other words, it calls for 35 and you go 45, yeah, it'll, it's going to wear down the inside because it's overinflation on what the tire was designed to do. 
And like we discussed in the last hour, with the shortage of tires and people having problems getting tires now, you need to do everything you can to make that vehicle operate the way it was designed to operate and stay on top of it so that you don't have to get down to 90,000 miles and somebody say, this thing needs about $5,000 worth of work done on it because it wasn't maintained up to this point. And, you know, the uh, now you, you're looking at a $5,000 repair, and that's over the limit that normal people will go in and buy a brand-new car. Well, when you get a brand-new car, you still got to keep a maintenance up on it in order to keep the warranty in effect. Think about it. And then save you money. Make you a little fund out there that you want to put it in a separate savings account for auto repair. Put it in the bank. Leave it in the bank. Don't use it for nothing but auto repair. So that way you'll have the money when it comes down. You won't say, oh, crap, and drive that thing into the ground, which is exactly what you'll wind up doing. Last but not least, lighting and wiper. Lighting and wiper blade. When you go to the mountains, and you will when it snows, are you going to have the headlights working? Are you going to have your windshield wipers working? Because it's going to be a pain in the butt if you don't. I'm going to give you some of the things that are involved in the lights and wipers because of my time restriction here. Let's start. We're going to wipe our arms. <coughs> that holds the blades. Wiper motors. Fog lights are optional, but they need to be working because there is fog in the state of Arizona. Headlights, high and low beams, parking lights, turn signals, emergency flashers, water fluid in the reservoir, fuses. Take along a little emergency kit for fuses. Instrumentation lighting, it's kind of bad when you go down the road and your instrument lighting goes out and it's the middle of the night. You better have a flashlight next to you so you can stay with your instruments. Interior lights, stop lights, tail and marker lights, critical. Backup lights, critical. That is basically it that you need to have checked. This stuff should be checked when you go in and have an oil service, not an oil change, an oil service at independence or even the dealerships. But um, I can't vouch for the dealers, but I can sure vouch for Parker Automotive out on Speedway. I can vouch for automotive specialists over off of Ina Road. I can vouch for Simmons. You take that thing in, you have an oil service, you will get what I'm talking about. And then you'll know whether or not you do anything about it is, like I said, a lot of this stuff you can do yourself. Some of the stuff, but you've got to know it in order to do it. And I call it a checkup from a neck up. If you've got something in your hand that you can see, then you've got some way to follow it or refer back to it. If not, you're going to have to go to the podcast and pick up one of these shows. <laughs> All right. We're about out of time, Jim. What do you have for the motor in public before we close the show? Oh, well, just um, on your lighting, um, yeah, it's really critical that um, – in today's world of, of flashing lights everywhere that uh, people see you. Uh, all, what I was going to say is that some people, um, it's it's, con- it's commonplace now to switch lights out with LED. So, for example, tail lights because they take a little less mm-hmm. power and maybe they don't overheat your circuit. Um, mm-hmm. But be aware that 
if you change the light from what it was to something different like an LED, you might have to do more work. So, for example, a flashing light, if you if you change your incandescent light bulb to a LED light bulb in your turn signal, your turn signal may not work properly. And the reason why is because your car expects a certain load and the LED light has less of it, so it may not see that. So you be careful when you're when you're doing your work that you don't introduce another issue um, on your yep. on your lighting system. So the uh, so that way that way Good the, the LED lights are bright and they're nice. Um, um, they're if you're going to change them out in your interior, they uh, sometimes they're not as soft as a as a regular incandescent light, but they're certainly cooler. That's for sure. They're certainly a lot cooler. You can actually put oh, your fingers yeah. on them. Right. So, um, other than that, um, I so we got a minute to go here. I'd say uh, for the motoring public, you know, um, do what you can. Be safe today. Uh, no crashes. This is a super safe Saturday. Nobody, nobody crashed today. Everybody, go home safe. Go to your, go to the kids' football games. I think it's still football season, but go home. Don't get in a fight. Don't get road rage. Just go home. Let it go. It'll, you'll be okay. Absolutely. Good thing. Good good closure, Jim. Good information, buddy. Uh, just remember, the lighting on the car is not just for you. It's so that the uh, that it's so that Jim can see Jerry coming down the road at dark. And when it starts to get dark, turn your lights on. When it starts to get dusk, dusk and daylight, it's probably as dangerous as anything I've ever seen out on the road because you can't see them. You just can't see them. All right, we're done for today. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Thanks for the call. Uh, good information on Cohen Jim.